the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Oh, the space economy. Let's talk a little bit about this. You've probably heard of SpaceX. You've probably heard of Elon Musk's business. Eventually, they're going to come public. You might have heard of Jeff Bezos. He's got a a project uh, that's space-focused. Not getting as much press as Elon Musk. You're going to hear more and more companies get into the space that once was dominated by Boeing and Northrop Grumman. There's an ETF out there, which has got a great name to it. Not a great name, ticker symbol. That's what I'm trying to say. UFO. And you can start your research right there on companies that have exposure to space. I bring this up in large part, not as a buy recommendation, but to try to give you an idea of what's out there for you to start your research on so that you can consult a broker advisor before taking any action on anything I say, you can start coming up with ideas for yourself. Um, in no way, shape or form is this going to be the end all be all Bible of space investing but it's a good place for you to start. UFO. It's got names like Tremble, Morale, Orbcom, Maxar, Viasat, Gelat Satellite, Virgin Galactic, Iridium, Utelsat, Cirrus XM. Are we going to really count satellite media? Why not? Let's talk space economy for Uno Momentero which is Spanish for one moment. I used to say it's Mexican for one moment, and then people got mad at me. So I don't say that anymore. It's kind of funny that someone is that naive, doesn't know the difference between Mexican and Spanish speaking. and you could, It shows you how, how dumb of a country we are at times, right? It was meant as a joke, but it was a play on how ignorant we are. Anyway. I'm digressing. Let's go back to 1957, shall we? October 3rd, the world was a peaceful, lovely place. October 4th, the Russians sent a rocket into space. It set off a full-blown Sputnik crisis in the United States. The idea that you can put a satellite in space with a nuclear bomb and it can drop on the United States whenever they wanted it freaked people out 
My brother David, a little bit older than me. <laughs> I'm the young and pretty one in the family. He told me stories of scrambling under desks in school. School children were hiding under their desk in case the Russians dropped a bomb. It's not going to work quite like that, but we were naive. Politicians had to answer to my mom and dad calling them up and saying, Hey, my son, he's hiding under a desk in school. He's going to grow up to be a weirdo if we don't stop this paranoia. So that's when President Dwight D. Eisenhower jumped into action. And he said, we have to meet the Soviet technological challenge. Now that to you means space race. To me, that equals um, dollars. It equals investments. And we're still stuck in a space race now, maybe between Richard Branson, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, God knows who else is out there, right? But those are the, the action figures that we would look at right now. So Eisenhower said, let's get into this. And we got into it. Poker, we're in. We had dreams of moon landing. We had thoughts of boldly going where no man has gone before. There's a great, for me, great. There's a, Netflix, a documentary on Netflix on the guy who played Spock, Leonard Nimoy. It's a little self-serving because it's it's produced by his son. But it really shows you, like, we didn't know what the heck was going on. And he was a TV star, and he got into it, and he was like, well, people from space might have pointy ears. People from space might have a cell phone, a communicator. That Steve Jobs had to look at it and goes, I could do this! I could make that! So meeting the Russian threat, we needed to invest in microscopes and test tubes and Bunsen burners and incredibly expensive gadgets. Out of the space race came Owens, Illinois, which became Owens Glass. They make tiles to keep the rockets from burning up and exploding. Corning Glass, publicly traded. Texas Instruments was the integrated circuit maker. Do you know who the number one buyer of integrated circuits were in the 1960s? In the United States, the number one buyer was NASA. Space exploration, it would benefit many, many industries. It underpinned a post-war economic boom. It powered a prosperous America. And we kicked the Russians' butts. There is a, a show on Apple, or it's Apple, right? That says, what if... We didn't win the space race. What if the Russians did? What would have been the difference? It's a great if ifs and buts were candy and nuts. So what a party we'd have kind of show. Do you know where the space race came from? We can thank Nazi Germany for this one. They hoped to turn World War II with V-2 rockets into guided ballistic missiles. V-2s in 1944 rained down terror from northern England to Lorraine. A final German offensive was all about getting into the atmosphere. It's about getting into space. American and Russian forces secured as many V-2 rockets, scientists, and technological secrets as possible. And that's what started the Cold War. One company that came out of the Sputnik era 
again, early on, Russia kicked our butts. They got the first satellite into space. They got the first dog into space. They got the first man into space. They got the first woman into space. We beat them to the moon. Kind of, sort of. The space ace, the space race laid a lot of golden eggs. Fantastic golden eggs. Um, AT&T. They wanted to launch satellites, their own artificial moons, as they said. In 1962, they launched Telstar 1. It's a satellite that's still up there spinning around the world, but it's not working. GE, Westinghouse, they eventually merge, right? Um, but out of the 1960s integrated circuits came the 1970s, and Atari's new electronic game, Pong, found across the better bars of the country. Integrated circuits became important computers, mobile phones, modern civilization. So when you take a look at this ETF UFO, start thinking about we're in a space race again. What Tesla and Elon Musk is doing with SpaceX, they've launched really, really good satellite internet. Really good. Not as good as broadband, but it's really, really good. Get excited by the space race, ladies and gentlemen. Pay attention. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Focusing on wealth, and today I'm focusing a lot on market timing. Every day I kind of have a different twist that I try to tie a lot of the components together. Yesterday it was about insurance, getting older and not being able to understand the documents you're being put in front of and how that could lead to fraud against our elders and how we should all work together to kind of make sure mom and dad aren't taken or fleeced. <clears throat> um. So one of the things I'm talking about today is market timing. And I go, I look at housing costs up 10.4%. I'm like, I didn't make 10.4% more money last year. <laughs> Maybe I did when you start factoring in the stock market. And the, there's, some there, there's some things there going on. But the low cost of money and the economic reopening, I can't wait to reopen, <laughs> right? Um, I'm at the point now that I've got friends who were supposed to get married in 2020, 2021, and they may have to wait till 2022. Or if they're procrastinators, they're going to find that a lot of people want to get married in 2022. Therefore, 2023 is the earliest you're going to be able to do it. And again, that's a small example. <clears throat> I've told my spouse, um, like, we got we to gotta vacation. I'm losing my mind. Um, I want to be with you. I want to travel with you. <laughs> I don't, I like you, but the house is too small kind of thing. Like there's so much pent up demand there that if we don't book now, I question if we're going to be able to get to some exotic locales, um, because hotels only have so much capacity. And I've, I think there's gonna be a little bit of price gouging when we open back up, but talking about timing the market in that case of, I think we have some pent up demand inside the economy for sure in my mind. Um, and I don't have to listen to the statistics of that one. I could listen to my friends and family and that's antidotal evidence. Now the problem about antidotal evidence is, um, a lot of times we, we project on our friends. Like I have a friend right now who is partying his mind out going from state to state to state. 
Good for him. Um, but I'm not really speaking for him, right? Um, and you're like, okay, I know one person doing that, but we, I probably know more, and they're just not talking about it. Um, so psychologically right now is who's going to open up, who's not, how big, how, how – I think there will be some sectors that are better than others is what I'm trying to get at. And some of them are going to have – built-in demand like i i know no one who cruises i'm just the wrong age for it i think do the cruises come back all in one year or will it be spread out i think there's gonna be some i think the cruise lines will be fine i think the airlines are gonna be fine yesterday a morgan stanley analyst did a broad a broad upgrade of the airline industry saying um they're not going to be giving away tickets at 49 dollars to get you back over the fear of flying Coming out of the pandemic, prices are going to rise. Going into the pandemic, prices fell. But yet, one thing that I saw yesterday was a great headline <clears throat> that I kind of want to share with you because it is kind of tied towards that market's transitioning. Last year, I, I think I would have been crazy if I were to tell you jump into the airlines. I'm not telling you to jump into the airlines, but some analysts are. It seemed too soon one year ago, but over the last six months, we've started seeing, oh, we're missing it. It's already starting to recover. Faster than what we know, because anecdotally we're not up. Wall Street's ahead of us. Anecdotally, we're hearing about what our neighbors are doing. But Wall Street's already started moving the prices higher, and you've seen it in the bank stocks, you've seen it in the oil stocks. Now, going a little bit further into 2021 and transitioning, um, I've gotten a lot of emails this year about people wanting to jump into Bitcoin. What's the best way to buy Bitcoin? I'm like, what do you need Bitcoin for? No answer. Um, what if Bitcoin falls 80% like it has in the past? No answer. They just There's almost a let's get in now and figure it out later, which is fine. But when you see it drop 10 15% in a week, just make sure you have the stomach for it. So I'm seeing Tesla hit a bear market pretty hard right now as we transition. And yet, also I can find a headline right next to it of, Tesla enters bear market down 15% in two days. Two days. If you put $1,000 in, you're down 150 Like, whoa, you do the math, right? But right next to that same headline on Tesla enters bear market, scare, 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 is the headline, did you buy the dip? <laughs> like, this was your opportunity. I will say that if tech goes into a bear market – I wanted 2021 and 2022 for me to be diversifying my portfolio away from tech. But it depends on how fast it happens. If it goes down 16% in two days, woo, there will be a point where we look at Tesla. But here's another thing that's happened with Tesla. Last year, it was tied towards momentum. It was tied towards headlines. Everything broke right. They um, hit production numbers. They hit earnings uh, for four quarters in a row. The stock went higher. He sold, gained cash. Um, SpaceX is launching. Have you seen the, the internet service they're they're offering? It's a satellite service for rural areas. It doesn't do well. Satellites don't do well with big buildings. Uh, they don't do well with middle sized buildings. Um, and the nanoseconds or the milliseconds, excuse me, that it takes to bounce from the United <clears throat> from us to the back to the satellite, it's getting pretty competitive. And Elon Musk blesses P. Bless his little heart, right? Um, Elon Musk, for his part, is saying um, that he's going to have internet service for around the world ready by the end of the year. 
and you may be in the mountains right now, you may be in the beaches right now, you may be in the big city right now, and you're like, I can barely get my internet service like here in a small little seven by seven mile area. And he's going to have coverage around the earth by the end of the year. And a thing that he does, which I don't understand, I guess I understand it. He's a showman. But he says, okay, if you're getting 100 gig, 100 millibits per second download, you're going to get up to 400. And we're just going to turn on a feature that magically does it for you. There's a rumor that, and this is a great one, in my opinion, there's a rumor that he's going to upgrade some software for his Teslas so that they all have heated steering wheels. And like, why do not already have that built? Why not have that ready to go? Because you've had to have the hardware built into it. And it's just like, well, magically I can turn it on. And people tend to like that. Although, have you seen the ratings on Tesla? Not good recently. Uh, the safety ratings, the quality ratings, not good. And what's happening with the Model Y? Why is it disappearing? We don't know. So there's a lot of question marks. And at the same time, we're seeing more and more SPACs, which is a way for a company uh, a blank check company to go out and buy into the industry. We're seeing a lot of competition coming into electric vehicles. It's interesting to note because I, I recently watched someone talk about Tesla to one of his friends. And it was almost one of those bar conversations that you're overhearing. And the amount of data he had just bought a Tesla, the amount of data that he still didn't know about his Tesla was crazy. Um, how much does it cost? Like He thinks it's free, but there's a cost of charging your Tesla, whether you do it at home or in a supercharging network. It's not free. And it's not massively, significantly, way better than gasoline. As our society moves towards more renewables, it should be, but um, renewable energy is not free either. There's a data point where corporations have to get a return on their investment. Otherwise, they'll say, fire up the, the coal, fire up the oil. So December home prices rose 10.4%, largest jump in seven years. Tesla share price is now directly tied to the value of Bitcoin, one analyst says. Because Tesla bought a billion and a half of Bitcoin, which is another just mess right now. Musk is coming out and saying, Bitcoin looks a little overvalued. And I don't know if we want him doing that. In theory, don't we want him coming up with faster internet satellite services, faster internet cars, faster self... Like, Don't we want that versus the commentary on Bitcoin? Or maybe we do. Maybe he's that kind of smart all that, and a bucket of chicken when it comes to being an analyst as well. I don't know. I can tell you, kids, not kids. Uh, the self-edited you have to do on a live uh, radio show. The kids, the people in their 20s, the millennials love him. Um, interesting to note. A little cult of personality. Don't do as I do, do as I say, right? So the House is set to pass Biden's COVID relief bill this week. That's going to be $1.9 trillion. And I think they have enough votes due to the way the Senate swung in Georgia in January, to get the full $1.9 trillion. Do you remember heading into 2021, we were like, well, one of the things that's going to have to happen is who's going to win the election runoffs in Georgia. If the Republicans stick control, it would be a much smaller stimulus package. And Wall Street's response would be, I think, much more small or muted. But now this is so much stimulus, we're looking at what Jerome Powell says. We're listening to hearing what uh, Treasury Secretary Jenny Yellen says, Jerome Powell, head of the Federal Reserve, they look for inflation. So it's a huge package. And come Monday or Tuesday of next week, don't be in a position of saying, I told you so. If you're in a scenario right now where you're like totally afraid of the market, that's totally fine. It's fair. I'm good for you. 
But I look at that 1.9 trillion stimulus, and I'm like, I better get some cash work sooner than later. Doesn't mean I have to do it crazy. Earlier in the show, we talked about investing in inflation stocks, primarily banks and energy stocks, um, and maybe companies that can play the 10-year treasury. Um, is the smartest is probably banks on the upside. On the downside, it's probably Home Depot. When interest rates dropped from, you know, long-term uh, rates dropped from 4% to 3.5 to 3 to 2.5 to 2, and mortgages dropped from 7% to 6% to 5% to 4% to 3%. When mortgages hit under 3% this last year, I hope everyone piled up. Um, now what you're going to find is you're like, oh, I own a home. I've got this 30-year mortgage, which is incredibly cheap, but I overpaid for the home. But I want to take care of the home to keep the investment of my monthly check into it as high as possible. <clears throat> when you own a home, you have to maintain it. Otherwise, even the market, the home market can move up in price, but you can move down. Um, just maintenance, like keeping tree roots out of your uh, sewage line, things like that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Bitcoin and Tesla, very, very volatile on the downside in the last couple of days. Does it make you nervous? I never get nervous when it comes to money. Never. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. It's Fed Day. Fed Reserve. A bunch of bankers get together and they robble. They caucus. They talk about what's going on across America. They decide, is it too hot? Is it too cold? What can we do to help the economy along? It's a big day for financial professionals. Let's bring in a financial professional right here, right now. Briefing.com, Patrick O'Hare. Fed day, does it mean anything personally to you? Because it seems to be a big market mover in my world. Oh, yeah. Hey, Rob. It's nice to be hey. with you again. But, um, yeah, it, you know, it's definitely a, you know, a big thing when the Fed has a meeting, and even more so these days. Um, Fed's so deep into things right now that, you have to pay attention closely to, you know, when you could see a potential inflection point uh, that, uh, you know, forces people to rethink, um, you know, in investment approaches. Um, we might get that today, um, but it really is it really is hard to say. I mean, you, you've probably read a lot of the same preview reports I have, and you, you keep hearing this theme that, you know, Fed Chair Powell has to you know, walk a fine line, you know, thread a, a really tight needle to get this just right. So uh, you can see a little bit of nervousness perhaps in the treasury market that uh, he might not um, get things just right. Um, but, you know, we're all going to know come, you know, a little after 2.30 Eastern time today, uh, after, his, you know, when he begins his press conference, um, you know, what he's thinking, how he's saying it, which is important. And, and then we'll see the reaction function in the market take take hold. Sounds about right. So it's um, it's a big day, and uh, we're all eyes are on it. And CNBC, you know, interrupts coverage, and they're like, "Fed, it's gonna announce a decision in 15 seconds, 15 minutes, 12 minutes." Like, it's kind of weird because I don't think most Americans have an appreciation of the Federal Reserve, but maybe I could have a gap in my understanding there. 
Um, moving back to the markets, are we based? Are we basing our next legs, whether it be up or down, whether it be big tech or not big tech, whether it be recovery or not recovery? Does it all come down to how the Fed pivots or keeps things the same? Um, because it kind of feels that way to me. But again, I could have a big blind spot right now and just be missing it. Well, it, it's it's about the interest rate dynamic, and of okay. course, the Fed is is very much part of that. Um, so, I in, the short answer to your question is, is yes. Um, you know, this market is going to be very attentive to uh, to the direction of interest rates. Um, you know, it's not overly concerned, obviously, with where the policy rate's going. It's where you know market rates might be headed, and specifically long term rates. Uh, and uh, well. You know, I should say it, it, the market, you know, knows that the path of least resistance for long-term rates should be higher um, based on what you're going to see unfold in terms of economic growth this year, uh, in terms of rising inflation. Um, the question on the market's mind is just how quickly, you know, rates will move up. And and that's what's kind of created a little turbulence here um, in, in 2021 so far for these growth stocks and for the broader market in general. But I would hasten to add, Rob, that as you know, we talk about uh, you know, interest rates having moved up sharply already this year, you know, two days ago we're talking about the Dow, the S and P five hundred and the Russell two thousand at record highs. Yep. Right. So uh, and that's with quite an adjustment in a number of growth stocks, which are down 10, 15, 20 percent. Um, so the market has been able to work through the noise, the turbulence, uh, and still maintain a positive bias because uh, interest rates on a nominal basis are still quite low. Uh, they're still quite low on a real basis. And uh, and there's still a lot of uh, high optimism in terms of the recovery potential. And so you're getting that, that rotation into these value and cyclical plays that are carrying the day for this market, which uh, by way of those indices being at, at record highs here, even as rates have come up, does suggest that the market as a whole is not uh, overly taxed, overly burdened, overly concerned just yet anyway with where interest rates are uh, as being a uh, kind of a driver that could could end the bull market move. I'm kind of stuck on the Federal Reserve today and interest rates. What else should I be paying attention to? Is there like, for instance, let me give you an example. I saw in Barron's this morning that Samsung is warning there's a global semiconductor shortage that's affecting the automobile industry and the cell phone industry, and they may not launch a new phone on time. I'm like, that's a big story. And yet I still get stuck on the interest rates. And yet I kind of want to dig into the semiconductor story and warn people, like, be a little cautious. There's a disruption due to the pandemic and semiconductor shortages mean product shortages and product shortages equals revenue shortages and revenue shortages equal we're paying a lot for these companies and their price for perfection am i yeah but I, and yet the interest rates still continue to consume me well i was just going to say that it's going to all bleed back into industry because product shortages amid heightened demand usually leads to higher prices right uh, and then you get the margin pressures you're alluding to for corporate earnings um, but with higher prices, you know, you potentially see higher inflation, right? And that's what's, you know, on the on the Treasury market's mind right now is like where, while Fed Chair Powell continues to insist that inflation pressures in the near term are, are going to be transitory, and he may be right, right? But 
uh, there's a, you know, I guess you could call it a, a budding belief or concern, certainly, that, uh, that they could be more permanent. And I think it's not out of the, you know, it's not impossible to think that there could be a little, you know, tantrum, if you will, in the treasury market here in, in the coming months. Uh, as well as in the stock market, as these you know higher inflation rates come to bear due to lower base effects, um, and uh, and it could just kind of be one of those sort of psychological things that sort of drive these markets to correct. Um, but uh, you know it, it, it's coming, and it's just going to be really interesting to see how these markets deal with these you know these higher inflation rates because of you know, you're lapping some easier comparisons. Changing topics, if I can, I don't even know if I can at this point in time because I'm obsessed with interest rates, but um, Amazon's big in the news today for expanding its telehealth service nationally. That's a story stock to me because I say, oh, they sell books, they sell websites, they sell uh, videos and movies. Now they're going to sell healthcare. Do you go for the story or do you look more economic? data as an investor what's your approach would you say uh well it certainly you know is a is a story stock item but you know amazon you know kind of like the fed has its hand in just about about everything in a way Fair. so um you know and, and you could argue that it's it's somewhat the fed's friend or or maybe not in the near term anyway because the fed wants higher inflation but but Amazon, by virtue of its reach and its uh, competitive instincts, have, has a way of helping to drive prices down, right? Okay. Um, and now, you, you know, the uh, increased effort in their healthcare offering, you know, extending it to, uh, to outside their employee base, um, you know, could help ultimately drive down the cost of some of those medical appointments and, and whatnot. Um, so, you know... It, I don't look at, you know, individual stocks per se very closely, but it's, it, you know, it, it factors in ter in terms of, you know, the macro economic view here to see if, you know, you get some real traction in this effort and, and that these com competitive factors come into play that help keep healthcare costs, you know, in check, which would be good for all of us, but, um, you know, it remains to be seen. We've got about a minute and a half. I'm just going to shut up and say, what are you thinking about these days? Well, I'm thinking about interest rates a lot too, Rob. Got it. <laughs> and, okay, uh, that's totally fair. You know, um, we've kind of alluded to this in, in recent interviews, but I mean, it's when you look at, at the ten year right uh, right now, around one point, just under one point seven percent. Okay, and and if we're talking about you know, GDP growth this year, perhaps, you know, being north of 6%, right? Goldman Sachs recently bumped it up to 7%. Um, you might see the Fed today with its economic projections, you know, raise it up, you know, somewhere, you know, north of, of 5% maybe. Um, and it does make you wonder, like, you know, do rates really belong here? You know, and uh, so one of the things I might look at this week, in my big picture column is, is maybe – perhaps doing a retrospective of what, quote, normal looks like in the treasury market uh, when you have GDP growth in the neighborhood of 5% or 6%. I can tell you that history does not suggest normal is a, is a, is a yield below 2% when you've got, uh, you know, GDP growth running north of 5%. But, uh, 
but obviously, as to our theme today, the Fed has got its hand in a lot of things, and the Treasury market is one of those things right now. And and uh, so you, it, it's difficult to kind of get a sense of where things will ultimately settle here as we get this high growth uh, come to fruition. I'm going to end a little bit early because we only have about a minute left. But thanks for being with us. It's St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. Be safe because that's a crazy mm-hmm. city for St. Patrick's Day. Um, I could listen to you talk all day long, and I highly encourage our listeners to, to find you at briefing.com. It's a reliable source of international and national data on all things economic finance related. Thanks for joining us. Have a good day. And again, be safe. And enjoy St. Patrick's Thanks, Day. Robbie, too. You, you're in the yeah. best city in the world for St. Patrick's Day, in my opinion. Minus Belfast. And unfortunately, I'm stuck in my unfortunately I'm stuck in my basement right now. <laughs> oh, I, we got to talk about that off air at some point of what your last years looked like. Because hearing that you're in the basement just made me a little sad. Because I'm in an eight by ten shed, <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, and have a good evening. Find um, briefing.com at briefing.com i've used him for 20 plus years i think he's as smart as there is i would pay money to listen to him talk i would buy him beers all day long if you talk stocks like he just did for the last 12 minutes i hope you enjoy i'm rob black find him at briefing.com